Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon and welcome to Soul to Soul. To Soul. Always wonderful to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon. Today is the 31st of January. It also is the 21st of Shvat in the year 5784 in the Jewish calendar. Um, so let's go through a few dates this week that are relevant and significant. We always like to do that because that's a healthy perspective as to where we are. So Sunday was the 18th of Shvat. And on the 18th of Shvat in 1980, following the peace treaty with Israel, the Egyptian parliament voted to end its economic boycott of Israel. The Arab boycott was formally declared in 1945, which is three years before the state of Israel, stating that Arab countries would not do business with Israel or with any company which sold products to Israel. So officially, the boycott extended its blacklist one step further to include any company that did business with a company that did business with Israel. The objective of the boycott was to isolate Israel from the international community and deny it the ability to build military and economic strength. In 1977, the U.S. Congress passed a law prohibiting American firms from cooperating with the Arab boycott. Companies such as Pepsi, which had long observed the boycott, now began selling in Israel. In recent years, with greater overtures towards peace, and especially with the Abraham Accords, um, the boycott withered to some degree. However, it still remains official policy with Arab countries, and we know BDS does its utmost to try and revive the Arab boycott and to try and harm Israel as best it can economically. Um, and it uh, is very active around the world and certainly in South Africa as well. But in 1980, on, this, on Sunday, the 18th of Shvat, that's when Egypt ended its economic boycott with Israel. Today is the 21st of Shvat. And on this day in 1948, which is uh, 76 years ago, a car bomb exploded in front of the Palestinian post, which later became the Jerusalem Post on Havatzelet Street in Jerusalem. A stolen British police pickup loaded with half a ton of TNT, which is a huge amount of explosives, pulled up in front of the post building. Five minutes later, a second car pulled up. Its driver lit the fuse and drove away. Three people were killed and dozens injured. The bomb destroyed the printing press. Its aim was to stop the growing international influence of Jerusalem's only English language newspaper. Further, since most Israeli newspapers were published in Tel Aviv, the Post was the only source of news in Jerusalem during the Arab siege. The bombing was perpetuated by the, uh, was, sorry, was perpetrated by the Arab militia, assisted by former British soldiers. As an act of ultimate defiance, the Post published an edition the next morning, albeit re reduced to two pages, but nonetheless a publication um, on the next day. Arab violence intent intensified, leading up to Israel's independence. A few weeks later, three trucks carrying explosives 
blew up on Jerusalem's Ben Yehuda Street, destroying buildings and killing 56 Jews. Two weeks later, another car bomb blew up at the Jewish Agency building in Jerusalem, killing 13 people. So we see right from the birth of the State of Israel, right at the beginning, the uh, Arab population was not prepared to come to terms with the Jewish state, and they were uh, practicing terrorism and trying to intimidate Jews. And we see, unfortunately, that has never stopped. That has always been the case. So that's the anniversary today, the 21st of Shvat, 76 years ago, the massive bomb that blew up outside the Palestine post, which was later to become the Jerusalem post. Tomorrow is the 22nd of Shvat, and the 22nd of Shvat is the yacht site of the Kotsk Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, who was born in the year 1787, just outside of Lublin. And, and he was one of the greatest Hasidic leaders we've seen um, in the Jewish world. He was said to be completely uncompromising in his quest for faith, honesty, and truth. He abhorred road piety, and taught his followers that followers that they must renew their quest for self-knowledge and truth on a daily basis. The Kotzka Rebbe um, was uh, he he was from a non-Hasidic family, and in his youth he was attracted to Hasidism. He was known for having acquired a tremendous Talmudic knowledge and Kabbalistic knowledge at a very early age. He was a great genius. And he became a student of Rav Simcha Buning of Peshischa. And upon Rav Simcha Buning of Peshischa's death, um, he took over Rav Menachem Mendel uh, Morgenstern. And uh, he was well known for his incisive and down-to-earth philosophies, sharp-witted sayings, and he had little patience for false piety and stupidity, as we mentioned. He, the Kotzka Rebbe, never published any works. He wrote many manuscripts, but he had them burned before his death. Um, his main disciple was Rav Avraham Bornstein, author of the Avne Nezer and the first Sokachova Rebbe. Um, and he, he, his son was the Shem Mishmu. Um, and he, the, uh, the Avne Nezer was the son-in-law of the Kotzka Rebbe. And he became the spiritual leader and founder of the Ger dynasty in Poland. And... Uh, his, through his teachings, its founder, the real, the first Gera Rebbe was uh, the Chidushe Harim, Rav Yitzchak Meir Alta. He was a Talmud of the Kotzka Rebbe, and in fact, he was his brother-in-law um, through he, the, the, his second marriage. Um, he was known for a number of famous sayings, the Kotzka Rebbe. So I'm going to share with you um, six of his famous sayings, and they really capture the, the sharpness and the dedication, and the piety of Rav Menachem Mendel Morgenstern. So the first saying that I want to share with you is he used to say, what kind of God would he be if I could understand him? Very deep and very smart. Secondly, he said, if I am I because I am I, and you are you because you are you, then I am I and you are you. But if I am I because you are you, and you are you because I am I, and I am not I, and you are not you. And this was a very powerful teaching to tell, to, to encourage people to be true to themselves and to be um, not to mimic others and try and impress others, but let their own uniqueness and essence come forth. 
Third saying of the Kotska Rebbe, a person must renew himself and his world with, with him each and every day. But one who does not do so and rather performs his deeds as a, mechanic, as a mechanical function does nothing other than actions of a monkey, just as this monkey has no personality of his own, but rather copies his own actions and his fellow, so too this person. So he constantly reminded his followers to be to renew themselves, that our, our void, our service Hashem should be fresh and should be real and should be inspiring every day. The um, fourth saying of the Gotzka Rebbe, not all that is thought need to be said, not all that is said need to be written, not all that is written need to be published, and not all that is published need to be read. I think that's very pertinent to our times. Not all that is um, uploaded onto the internet needs to be seen, and therefore we should be discerning in terms of what we expose ourselves to. Um, fifth saying, people are accustomed to look at the heavens and to wonder what happens there. Would it be better if they would look within themselves to see what happens there? Very true and um, encouraging us to do the inner work rather than focusing on outer work. And finally, the last saying, where is God wherever you let him in? So those are six powerful sayings of the Kotzka Rebbe, whose your site is tomorrow. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So this Shabbos, um, this weekend, we read Pasha's Yisro, where the Torah reading is Yisro. Yisro deals with, tells us about the cataclysmic event that changed the destiny of all humanity, that of the giving of the Torah, Matan Torah. And this, uh, in fact, it's very interesting to note that most of the world's population believes that this event actually took place. Um, According to our holy tradition, it took place in the year uh, 2448 since creation, which is 3,336 years ago. And most of the world agrees and accepts the fact that that happened. Um, The Christian world accepts that and agrees with that, and so does the Muslim world, that God, the creator of the universe, appeared to all of humanity, not all of you, sorry, appeared to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai. There were three million people there, and God gave us the Torah. God actually spoke to the people, and um, and he gave us his law, his word, his guidance for humanity. And that's what all of Judaism is based on, the Torah, the five books of Moses that were received at Mount Sinai, according to our holy tradition. So when God spoke, he he Uh, spoke out the first two of the Ten Commandments. And when God spoke and said, I am Hashem your God, so the souls within the bodies of the Jewish people blew out of their bodies. Their bodies couldn't contain their souls anymore. It was just too powerful, that spiritual experience. And the Malachim restored their souls back in their bodies after the first commandment. And then the second commandment, Lo Yelachem, Elohim Acherim, you shouldn't have any other gods. Again, their souls blew out their bodies and were restored by the Malachim. And after that, the Jewish people said to Moses, 
okay, we, we get the message. We see what's happening over here, and we trust you to go and receive the Torah on our behalf. It's just too much for us. We, we can't handle the intensity and the electricity. Um, and you go up the mountain and receive the Torah um, from God. And so from that point, it, as it says, Torah, Tzivalana Moshe, the Torah uh, uh, commanded us, Moshe, the, the word Torah is, has the numerical value of 611 because the first two commandments God gave directly to the people, they heard themselves. The other 611 Moses received when he went up the mountain. Um, from uh, and representing the Jewish people, receiving the Torah on behalf of of uh, humankind for the future. So, according to the Gemara, what happened then when Moses went up the mountain? So, the Gemara in Shabbos Taf Peches Amud says an amazing thing. I'm going to read you that Gemara and translate it to you, and we learn such a powerful life lesson from it. So, the Gemara in Shabbos Peches Amud says, "I'm a Rabbi Shur ben Levi." At the time when Moshe went up the mountain to the heavens, the angels said to Hashem. Now remember, angels, according to the Jewish tradition, are not these little babies with wings on their back. That's far from what a malach is. A malach is a spiritual force created by God, which carries out God's will, which is an emissary, which is a shaliach, sent to fulfill God's mission. So those spiritual forces, which don't have a body, they're purely spiritual. When Moses went up to receive the Torah, they said to God, Master of the universe, How could it be that a Yilud Isha, that a being that was born from a woman, a human being, how can he be in our midst and here in the heavens? Amalehem. So God told the angels, that this individual, this Yilud Isha, this human being, has come up to the heavens to receive the Torah. Amru Lefanav. So the angels answered God and said, Chamuda Ganuza She Ginzua Lacha Teishem Meos Veshivim Ba'arba Doros Koidem Shedivra Oilam. This precious entity of the Torah. That was hidden away by you um, 974 generations before the world was created. So, in other words, the Torah, which is so precious and valuable. Do you want to give that holy Torah that is so precious and pristine to a human being that's made of flesh and blood? Um, so, what is a human being? We know a human being is, is lowly and is full of sin. So, um, and they said, Hashem Adonai you Hashem are the master of all the world. How can you give your holy precious Torah to a lowly human being? Um, so, Amaloa Kodesh Baruch Hashem answered and said, Lemoshe, Hashem at that point said to Moshe, Hechsir lehem tshuva. So, Hashem says to Moshe, answer the question. Give them an answer to their protest as to me giving you the Torah. So Moshe answers and says, I'm frightened that they're going to burn me up with the breath of their mouths. In other words, Malachim are fire. And Moshe was concerned that they would wipe him out, that would destroy him. So 
Hashem answers Moshe and says, Amalo, Hashem says to Moshe, Achuz Bakisei Kavoidi. So he says, hold on to my throne of glory, the Chazor Lehem Tshuva, and give them an answer. So then Moshe holds on to the throne of glory, and he says to them, what is inside this Torah that God has given to the Jewish people? He says, inside the Torah is that a person shouldn't steal, and a person shouldn't commit adultery, and a person shouldn't kill. And he said, do you angels have jealousy? Do you angels have these emotions that you told not to do that? What's inside the Torah is to honor your parents. Do you angels have parents? What's inside the Torah is to keep the holy Shabbos, not to do creative activity on Shabbos. Do you angels do creative activity? And where the angels heard Moshe's answer and realized that the Torah was not appropriate to them, and they then said, Immediately they accepted what Hashem was doing and they agreed that it was the right thing. There's a very powerful Gemara, very interesting words that the Gemara is teaching us over here. And the Gemara is saying something that is so valuable for our lives. And that is that the angels were right. That what right does a human being have to hold on to, to be connected to, to receive Hashem's most precious gift most precious, most precious item, that of the Torah. And and Moshe didn't know what to answer. He's frightened that he's going to be blown away, that he's going to be destroyed by the angels. Hashem gives him the secret, the secret of all life for a human being. Hold on to the Kisei Kavod. Hold on to the throne of glory. When a, when a human being holds on to the throne of glory, so then we can connect to Hashem. We have access to spirituality and to the higher worlds, and we're on a par with the angels. Not only are we on a par with the angels, but we actually are beyond, and we supersede the angels. We go beyond the angels if we hold on to the Kisei covered to the Holy Throne of Glory. And that's something that we should remember as human beings, that we have a choice, that we could remain in our single-dimensional perspective of life and caught up in materialism, in physicality, in how we look, in our appearance, in our pursuit for power and pleasure. That could be that which dominates our world and our existence. And we're completely preoccupied with our material existence. Or we could go beyond that and we could reach out and hold on to the Kisya Kabod, onto God's throne of glory. When we stretch ourselves beyond the physical and we connect to our soul, and we allow our soul to soar, and we come in touch with spirituality and with God, so then we raise ourselves to the level of the angels and to even beyond the level of the angels. As we, uh, Yaakov Avinu's dream, our patriarch Jacob dreamt, he put his head down on the place, the Makum HaMikdash, where the base HaMikdash is, and it says, Sula Mutzav Atza Shamaima, that it was a ladder, which came down to the ground and reached right up to the heavens. And we know that the image of Yaakov Avinu, is engraved on the throne of glory, which teaches us that a human has this capacity to climb that ladder and reach the heavens and connect with God in the highest places in the heavens. So that is our choice. Our choice is, are we going to allow the angels to be right and say, what right do we have to have the Torah? 
or are we going to use the Torah to be our bridge to Shemaim, to the hearts, to God, and we even go above the angels when we do that and hold on to the Kisar Kavod. So it's a very powerful teaching. And this really displays to us what the Torah is all about. The reason why God gave the Torah to the Jewish people is in order to elevate ourselves, in order for it to be a ladder for us to connect to spirituality, to truth, and to Hashem. And we can choose. Do we? It's got to be a conscious choice and a proactive decision that we want to live according to spiritual rules and spiritual principles, according to a higher value system that God gives us. It's not just a moral system that's made up by human beings and changes according to what's trendy and what is politically correct. It's something that is beyond human understanding. It's an objective truth and morality that comes from the creator of the, of the universe. So that is what the Torah is, and that is the great opportunity of the Torah that we read about in this week's parasha, and that is the opportunity for every single one of us. Are we going to take this this gift that Hashem gives us. It's called Matan Torah, the gift of the Torah. Are we going to take that gift and savor it and appreciate it and use it to elevate ourselves beyond the physical and use it to become holy spiritual beings that can even rise above the Melachim? Or are we going to turn away from it? Are we going to ignore it? Are we going to reject it? And then we reduced to living in a very physical and material world, which doesn't take us to the hearts that we have the capacity to achieve. That is a very powerful and moving lesson we learn from this week's Torah reading and from um, Moshe's experience when he went up the mountain. Okay, good. So now I want to discuss a little bit about this interesting relationship that we're supposed to have with God. So it's not a simple thing. God is an abstract being. God is not physical. God is spiritual. And to have a relationship with an abstract being requires some sort of sophistication. We don't see God like we see our fellow human being. Much easier to have a relationship with the person who's standing in front of you, who you're talking to. But we understand that we see God's fingerprints all around us in this magnificent world that God created. And we are supposed to develop a relationship with God, um, which is, and the Torah is our means to build that relationship. In other words, the Torah is the framework in which we are able to follow and therefore have a, an ability to connect with God. And part of the foundation of that relationship is what we call Ava Sashem and Yira Sashem. Ava Sashem means to love Hashem, to love God. Yiras Hashem means to fear God. So let's try and understand what that means. In fact, our sages teach us that the first of the Ten Commandments, Anuch Hashem Elokecha, is, is telling us to love God and to fulfill all the mitzvahs, Asa, the positive commandments, the 248 positive commandments, and Lo Yelachem Elohim Acherim, you shouldn't have other gods, is teaching us about Yiras Hashem to fear Hashem, to have reverence for Hashem, and to fulfill the negative commandments, the mitzvahs lotase. So let's try and understand. So the, 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 this, uh, really the foundation of everything is love. And as we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Lokein Hashem Echad, that God is, listen Israel, Hashem, Hashem's name of Yudke Vavke, which is Hayahovia Vyeh, 
Elokeinu is our God, and Elokeinu, Elokim is God's uh, name of Din, Hashem, which is God's name of mercy, Echad, that everything is really the underpinning and foundation of the entire universe is God's love. And everything is one, is, is an expression of the oneness of the creator of the universe. And then straight away, what does the Torah say? Ve'ahavta es Hashem lokecha. First paragraph of the Shema. That we must love, you must love Hashem, your God. So loving God is, is easier to relate to and to understand when we, the Torah trains us to see the world in a certain way, not to be a taker, but to be a giver. And when we see how much God gives to us, when we see God's kindness that he showers upon us every moment of our lives, that whether it's uh, the functioning of this incredible machine called the human body with its vast and complicated and diverse functionings that all come together in one single organism is just magnificent and breathtaking. So we see God's kindness in our body. We see God's kindness in the world around us and the magnificent universe that God has created in nature. Uh, as I often say, I love the African bush because in the bush, I feel like I'm surrounded by God. I see the power of God in the vastness and the magnificence, how exquisite and how intricate and how magnificent God's creation is. And so whether we're looking within ourselves, we're looking at God's creation, whether we're looking at our lives and how much God gives us in terms of our family, in terms of our parents and our spouse and our children and our community, there's so much kindness that is showered upon us, our panosa, how we earn a living. And so when we see God's kindness to us, so then we feel the love for God. So let's try and understand what the other aspect is, which is called Yerushimayim. What does that mean? and how to develop Yerushimai. We will do so when we come back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about the fundamentals of what it means to be a Jew. And we learn from the receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, which we read about the Shabbos, that the relationship between a Jew and our Creator is based on the love of God and based on the fear of God and reverence of God. I think fear has got a bad rap in our modern world because we don't really understand what it means. So I want to try and elaborate a little bit further and understand the depth of what it means to fear God. doesn't mean, it's not referring to yiras ha'onesh. It's not referring to fearing punishment. That's quite a low level. That's a, a little bit of a unsophisticated, infantile understanding. The, the fear that the Torah wants us to have is much deeper and much more nuanced. So let's try and understand. Rabbeinu Yona says in Shari Tshuva, and I'll quote directly, he says that um, the uh, let me just find the quote for you. Here we go. Shari Tshuva Rabbeinu Yonah says, Shebebeis ha-mikdash chaya b'chol eis v'shar k'dugmas ha-rasinah v'eis matan Torah. That in the temple in Jerusalem, the two temples, the first temple, we have the second temple, our first temple built by King Solomon, Shlomo HaMelech. Um, the second temple was uh, built by Ezra when they, they came back from the Babylonian exile. So those temples 
says uh, Rebecca Yona, there was a, at the time of uh, the, the atmosphere and the environment in the temple was similar to that which the Jewish people experienced at Mount Sinai. The Indian covered Hashkina with regards to having respect for the divine presence for Hashem. So says Rabbi Yona that where there is Gilu where God's presence is there, so then there's Yira. There's Yira Shemaim. So what does that mean, Yira Shemaim? It means a reverence for God. So it really means, in fact, that's what we say when we say the Amidala Shemone Esra. So we, every Jew, we have them three times a day, Shachris Minchem Ha'arif. At the end of the Amidah, we say, Yehiratzon Milfanecha, Hashem Elokein Nebuchadnezzar, say, May be your will, Hashem our God, and God of our forefathers, Sheyibaneh Beisam Mikdash, Bimera Biyameinu, that you should rebuild the Beis Hamikdash, the temple, speedily in our days. The same Chelkeni Besarasecha, and you should give our portion of your Torah. The Sham Naavdacha Beyira. Over there, we will serve you with Yira. Kimei Olam Uchshanim Kadmonios, like days of old, like previous years. So we, you should rebuild the Beis Hamikdash, grant our portion in your Torah, and over there, we will serve you with Yira. We will serve you with this sense of awe and reverence. So what does that mean? The Yira really means that we are frightened that our relationship will be jeopardized. We're not frightened of punishment. We'll step out of line and we'll get caned by the headmaster. That's not what the Yira is in this context. The Yira is we're frightened of jeopardizing our relationship with you, our closeness to you. Um, as the Shloch, the, the great and holy Rabbi Yeshaya Horovitz, who was the one of the greatest rabbis in the 17th century um, in, the, in Poland and in Prague. So he writes the following. He says, From love comes fear. Why? We are worried, we're concerned that our behavior will damage the love. That's what the year is. The year is we behave in a way, in a way where we jeopardize the relationship, we jeopardize the love. Um, we want to act in a way that our actions are positive and are good in the eyes of our beloved. We are concerned. What is our fear? Our fear is that our actions, that the way we behave and the way we conduct ourselves will damage the love that we have in that relationship. So isn't that a beautiful understanding? That fear is not frightened of being punished. Fear is that we're concerned of damaging that connection, of jeopardizing that love. A person, uh, 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 the, the best example of this that we could relate to would be between a husband and wife, a husband and wife who love each other, who have a relationship, who have chosen each other to build a life together, who have children and have a family and are uh, loyal to one another and build and support one another as they go through the different challenges of life. And that relationship, it's, um, the, 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 they, they don't want to hurt each other and behave in a way that will damage that love. That love is pristine and is precious and is holy and is, is something that the two of them have together and have built together. 
in, in their own unique way, and they don't want to do anything in their life to damage and to harm and to ruin that love that they have created. It's not that they're frightened of each other. They're frightened of damaging the love. That's what the year is. And likewise, our relationship with Hashem is as such that we are frightened to behave in a way that will harm that relationship, that will display a lack of loyalty, that will display, display a lack of honor and respect for that relationship. So that's what Yira Shemaim is, is not wanting to damage the love we have for Hashem. And that therefore keeps us in check. It's not that we're frightened of being punished by God. We're frightened of damaging our relationship with God. And that's what we learned from Mount Har Sinai, that the Klai saw the Jewish people saw at Mount Sinai God's presence. They saw the Shekhinah, and they had a tremendous love for God. And as a result, they didn't want to damage that relationship and that love. And that was carried forward in the Beis HaMikdash, in the temple. And that's what we long for and we yearn for and we hope that will be restored speedily, that Hashem's presence will be seen by all humanity and all humanity will understand there's a creator of this world and that we have a purpose in our lives. We have an opportunity that God gives us to raise ourselves, to lift ourselves, to be holy beings that even supersede um, the angels in the heavens. And the Torah is that which God gave us in order to achieve this greatness, in order to stretch ourselves, in order to develop ourselves, and in order to grow. And in fact, it's very interesting. That's what Rashi says. Rashi says, uh, with regards to Shir Hashirim, the great uh, song of songs that we read on Cholomoyed Pesach, Shabbos Cholomoyed Pesach, many communities read Shir Hashirim every Friday afternoon as Shabbos comes in. So Rashi says about Shir Hashirim, that Shir Hashirim is the Holy of Holies, and it's all about Yerushamayim. But hang on a minute, isn't it the book of love? It's a love story between the Jewish people and God. So why does Rashi say that it's all Yerushamayim? He says, we understand that Hamalayim pachad b'chol es pen yitpardu v'yitrachu zemizeh. Rashi is saying, this, I'm, I'm quoting the words of Nasiv Shalom now, the great Sonim Marebi, that Rashi is telling us that Shir Hashirim is the, it's Kuli Yerushalayim because it displays the great love and connection that we have of God, and therefore we will behave in a way that we won't jeopardize that at all, that we won't harm and damage that in any way at all. So that is our deeper understanding of what Yerushalayim is and uh, how we should try and achieve this. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. We've been discussing the cataclysmic event that changed all human history, all human destiny, that of the creator of the universe appearing in front of not one person or two people, but an entire nation of people, three million people stood at the foot of Har Sinai, of Mount Sinai, and God spoke to the people. And so the, the Jewish claim that God spoke to a nation is unique. All the other religions claim that God spoke to one single individual. Um, Christianity says God spoke to Jesus, and Islam says God spoke to Muhammad, and there are other versions too. 
But uh, do you, our claim is quite an audacious one, and we claim that it was the entire people who heard God's voice, who heard the first two of the Ten Commandments, and um, whose souls were blown out of their bodies as a result, and who instructed Moshe Rabbeinu to go and receive the Torah on their behalf. And we learn from this amazing event. Firstly, we have received a moral system from on high, which is not decided by human beings and um, whatever whims the human mind chooses to follow, but rather it's an objective truth of morality given to humanity by the creator of the universe. And that moral system is what our challenge is in this world, is to whether we choose to follow it or not. And if we do subscribe to a higher moral code that's given to us by God, so then we can even supersede the angels. We can even stretch ourselves beyond those spiritual beings in the spiritual worlds, and we could reach great levels of what we call Kedusha, of holiness, and we could, if we choose to hold on to the Kisei covered and climb that ladder that uh, Jacob saw in his dream and reach the heavens, we all have the ability and the capacity to do so. We have to make a proactive decision that that's what we want to do, and we have to work hard day in, day out. It's a grind. As the Kotzkarebi, who's your side it is tomorrow, um, uh, his famous quotes teach us that it's all about renewing ourselves every day. It's about um, stretching beyond the mundane physical world, which is by nature the physical world fades and dies, and spirituality is eternal, lives forever. So if we're able to access our soul and our spiritual side and renew ourselves each day and improve in our spiritual level, getting closer to God so we can achieve great things in our lives and we can build a relationship with God, a relationship of love and a relationship of reverence. And as we described, that reverence is not fear of punishment, but rather fear of jeopardizing the relationship, betraying the love that we have for God. So that's the level that we all strive for. And please, God, we should all cling to the Holy Torah, the framework within which we are supposed to be doing this work. And we should all be successful in building a relationship with God, in connecting with our spiritual side, with our soul, and being able to connect to God in a very real and powerful way. And by doing so, we will increase the holiness in the world. We will bring God's presence down to the world. And please, God, we should be zoichet to see, we should merit to behold in our lifetimes, the building of the Beis HaMikdash once more and the ultimate redemption for the Jewish people and for the entire world. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day.